Welcome to the Random Ask Podcast. If you couldn't tell by the name, this is a podcast where we bring on random guests, we ask them random questions, we try and learn a little bit. We have local people that know what they're doing and are masters in their fields, and we try and just have a little fun while we're trying to get a little educated. I'm Taj Sander, a local realtor with Royal LePage Westman Realty. I meet a lot of cool people in real estate. I sell good houses, I buy good houses, let's get into it. Guys, today we have Kenton Sanderson on the Random Ask podcast. We're going to be talking all about paint. All right, welcome to the show this week. Um, this week I got a good guest here. He's a fellow TRU alumni. We actually met at TRU. We met when we were both studying finance, and oddly enough, neither of us have actually worked in finance yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh kenton sanderson of quick fix painters today kenton how's it going buddy oh good taj thanks for the invite yeah happy to be here and yeah it's funny you say i mean i, I learned a lot in university but <laughs> <laughs> shit i ended up a painter anyways <laughs> yeah i feel like we learned a lot we stressed out about so much about trying to get that shit figured out and dialed in and all of it was for nothing. <laughs> all the sleep. I won't nice. say all of it was for nothing. I'd say the the most kind of important course that I went through was the entrepreneurship. Uh, like the there's a a minor that I did at, at TRU, and one of the upper level fourth year entrepreneurship courses was on operations management, and it's, it was very uh, like uh, overview, and so it's not specific to any type of business but it still gave us like the basis of <laughs> what do you need in order to run a business i don't think any single course really helped me out at tier you i think it was kind of just like a mix of things got me prepared and just got me honestly it got me in the mindset of dealing with academia which prepped me for dealing with like professionals yeah because growing up with like immigrants and mill workers <laughs> like, right like you're only exposed to a certain working class <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah pretty much like, in, in the majority of things yeah. right and totally. so like being around like those kinds of people it was yeah it, it wasn't what i went into it uh at tear you with right? yeah like the but it it definitely changed the way that i speak or at least write my written word oh yeah it sounds so professional yeah, sometimes yeah. that the way when I meet people and I actually start talking to them, they're just like, are you the same dude that sent me this email? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, no, yeah. it's awesome. Actually, is a good point. Yeah. I mean, written word goes a long way, whether you run a business or you do any form of communication with a professional is like, <laughs> as long as you're on the same page, yeah, you already got 80% of the worries yeah. down. It's miscommunication is one of the biggest things that I've found that hinders our flow of work oh for sure for sure yeah and it's like you got to know your audience because you don't want to use a lot of big words when you're dealing with the trades guys like you would know <laughs> yeah no offense to my trades guys i but... sure don't speak the same to contractors as <laughs> as i do to my <laughs> mortgage broker yeah exactly like that. exactly so i know it was a weird road for me to end up in um, real estate but how did you wind up a painter yeah so out of my first year university up in Kamloops, I went back to Vancouver looking for a part-time gig for the summer, and I ended up applying for a painting business down on the coast called Dunbar Painting. Now, they're a pretty large residential repaint company, and my job role when I was onboarded was to drive a company truck around and drop off paint and paint supplies to the different crews that were working. And so my first kind of introduction was a lot more on the logistics and operations side as to how the wheels all run as opposed to actually how do you paint a wall how do you so wait did you did you know how to paint a wall before you started no, a painting company no no oh. okay before i started my painting company <laughs> let's just, backtrack were there just, yes were you just in being like how to paint a wall Hell no, <laughs> no. Like, yeah yeah i got this. as far as getting into the the painting industry at first, I did not have any paint experience. Yeah. But as far as four years down the line later, oh yeah, yeah, I I knew a couple things. That's awesome. <laughs> you got to know a couple things to start a oh, business yeah. about, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's no awesome. One thing I want to ask you is, so what made you want to move from Vancouver to Kamloops? Well, we were just discussing like lifestyle, and after going to TRU for a while, I 
kind of came accustomed to the different pace of life and just like the relationship level that people come across on on a daily basis is kind of a lot more personalized here. Yeah. And like we were saying, you don't feel like you're stuck into a rat race or a downward spiral. And like, by all means, the property values in Kamloops <laughs> are much more obtainable than, than property value down so in the coast. So much more reasonable. So that is a big factor. It's like, where are you going to start up shop where you have nothing? I mean, I could start down on the coast, but it's going to take so much longer and so much more hustle and grind to get to a level of, <laughs> yeah, now you can buy your first property versus here. Well, the options are a lot different. Yeah. So, I mean, I could probably sink 10 grand into an apartment and be, be good to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would not have that option in Vancouver. No. But you're definitely right. Like the people here are easier to deal with. I feel like they're, we got salt of the earth people in Kamloops, man. It's, it's a good vibe out here. And you can tell because they've all given you five-star reviews on Google. <laughs> you don't have a single bad review on Hell Google no. right now. No, we're... Are you writing all those reviews? <laughs> I'm not. And I barely ask people now at this yeah. point of our business. Like, at the start, yeah, I was on people's butts. Like, hey, we really want to make a good online presence starting out. It's a good way to get our name out. Then we've surpassed everybody in yeah. town as to, like, painting companies who have Google reviews. We've got the most reviews, and we've got all five-star reviews. So we're kind of like, at you're this point, it. we were killing it. We got a little bit of our name out there. And like you're saying, like we don't fabricate our reviews at all. They're they're all true clients of ours that we've worked for who are absolutely satisfied with yeah. our work. And so that's kind of our level of standard that we operate out of. But that's that in itself speaks volumes because you know that one unsatisfied customer it's gonna it will reach more people than all those oh, good yeah. reviews get. Yeah. And so like not even having that yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like it's I don't not think it's like happening. Yeah. like there's no problems that arise. Like, of course. Yeah. It's all about the management of yeah. the concerns that arise. And yeah. so like whether it's like people aren't showing up when when stuff's supposed to be getting done or something's not done to a satisfactory level, it's not it's gonna it's gonna happen yeah. eventually as you get bigger and you have kind of more people under you you yeah. lose more control and things get a little bit more out of line than what your equality standard is it's it's how you react to it and how you kind of nip it in the bud and but that's that's the difference between like uh, a mediocre company and an excellent company is the way that you mitigate the unforeseen things and still keep your clients happy yeah right yeah so that's huge for sure um so your company's grown quite a bit when you started was it just you yeah what so when i started i was in my last year of university at tru well, and i was why, that's dead why your grades were broke. sliding <laughs> yeah i was dead broke and i wasn't focused on school anymore yeah. because i had decided even before my last semester started that i was going to start this painting company in Kamloops for the spring and so it was january and i'm walking around minus 10 and knocking doors to, to try to get some pre-sales for yeah. projects for the spring so that I could get the wheel rolling. And while I was doing my last courses up at TRU, I was also fabricating all everything I would need and getting all my ducks lined up in a row so that when spring hit, I would have like a full exterior painting season to look forward to with what happened to be like the first two months booked in projects that I had taken deposits on and, and kind of prepared for during my last year of university. So it was a lot of time thinking ahead as to how to make it happen. And there was not much finances, financials involved at that point. It was yeah. like, we're, we're living on ramen noodles and, <laughs> and the occasional 12 pack of beer. <laughs> but aside from that, like, you really got to dig deep and find a way. And my structure of doing it was to take a 25% deposit for anything that I booked so that I had some form of cash now yeah. to get me through the four months where we had no production. I was still doing courses. Yeah. I had no cash flow of money. I couldn't go paint. Yeah. I didn't even have a vehicle at that point. So it was a lot of groundwork, like guerrilla warfare style <laughs> just like <laughs> how do i get my foot in the door yeah and then very quickly as soon as i got the first things rolling 
Uh, we can talk about a little bit more as far as financial management goes, but <laughs> I learned something in school because I went, I believe, like 10 grand in debt on line of credits and credit cards and then flipped it to like five grand up in the green after a month later because of all the, the projects and pre-bookings that I had. So That's awesome. Yeah. So a wicked way to start. How big of a crew do you have now? So from just painting jobs last year myself and then with a helper, now this year... During the summer season, I had seven full-time staff at our peak. And even now, coming up to Christmas, I got four full-time staff still with wow. myself as the fifth. And so we're still split between job sites on the daily, and and we're still roaming around town getting lots done. So. Still pounding doors? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not yet, eh? I got enough Google reviews now, bro. I don't have to pound doors no more. <laughs> Man, I, need, I need to get me some Google reviews. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah google reviews website and a little bit more of our workout on a daily basis and yeah. then Kamloops is very much a word-of-mouth town so absolutely while if you do something wrong someone's going to tell the whole town yeah if you do something right hopefully they'll tell their friends or their colleagues yeah and referrals and word of mouth is definitely a good way to grow a business here yeah i've definitely yeah. been throwing your name out there i don't know if any of my clients actually Ended yeah. up using you. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Actually, yeah. One of them did, and we painted a fence at their property. And decent. Yeah. Decent. Um, so in preparation for our uh, podcast here today, I Googled what are the things you want to ask a painter. Nice. Because so, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I wouldn't really ask him much. He's my buddy. I just let him do his thing. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are gonna be things that other people would be asking you and probably things that if they're not asking you, they should, right? So you're um, testing my knowledge. I'm capacity. testing you here right now. So what is, what's the trade-off between having staff that work for you or having subcontractors? So staff that work for you, employees yeah, typically run on your schedule. You tell them when to work, you provide them with the tools for the project and they get paid almost like most often on an hourly time period, like a, a, a wage, right? Yeah. And so versus a subcontractor who is someone else who has their own business that if I wanted a subcontractor to do the work for, I wouldn't tell them when they have to do the project. I would set them a hard deadline and say it has to be completed by this date. Otherwise, there's a penalty if you go for after yeah. that date. I can't uh, provide them with, tools for the job so there's i i can tell them to paint specs but they're supposed to purchase the paint yeah and then in terms of how i pay them i don't pay payroll taxes and other things included yeah they would send me an invoice just as i send someone else an invoice okay so as far as when it comes down into a residential setting most oftentimes we'll use staff to complete our projects as that's the tried and true way and it keeps a lot of the control within my name, my company, my staff, there's, if, if there's questions, yeah. it's falling down on me. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. When there are opportunities to use subcontractors, it's usually when we are taking on a project that has different aspects of work aside from painting, where we need a specialized person in flooring or sometimes popcorn ceiling removal, yeah, whatever it may be. You can find a subcontractor to do that portion of the work. And from what I've found is that there is a benefit of using subcontractors from a business perspective. Because they're paid by the job, they're very motivated to work quickly and yeah. work to a certain quality standard where they know they're going to get the job done right and get paid by me at the end of the contract. If there's issues that arise, it falls on them to fix it. But... The issue is when you subcontract out a truly residential project of painting where the customer thought they were hiring you and some other painter shows up in your place yeah. as the subcontractor where in this scenario, I shouldn't have been involved from the beginning <laughs> if that's the case. Let yeah. this guy find that project and go to that homeowner and kind of make a deal with them to paint the house. Yeah, I understand much more oftentimes in bigger cities, there will be painting companies that are structured purely with subcontractors and with no employees. And in bigger cities, it works because there's a lot more um, 
within the books liability not that there's not yeah those concerns here it's amplified when you're in a it's city on a much bigger much scale. bigger scale yeah. and so what i've found is that there can be other painting companies that simply do the sales quotes all the money that goes into marketing the liability the insurance that surrounds that entire company but as far as the core production like the actual painting yeah. it's all subcontracted out to certain businesses and companies that don't like to do those kind of things like marketing and sales quotes and so they work together in order to yeah both make their share of the pie but but here it's it's more feasible for you to have your own guys go in where you have control except in the instances where you need specialized help that i mean you guys could probably do it but yeah. it's like yeah depending on the, the scope of the project yeah. we'll absolutely do a lot of stuff in house and i've been lucky enough to hire in staff who have capacity to take on other types of work like drywall repair is probably the biggest one that we come across in terms of hand in hand with paint yeah. if you got a big ass hole in the wall chances are you want someone who's going to fix that hole and then paint the wall afterwards and you're not trying to look for two different yeah, contractors it's, just easier to deal it's with. way easier to deal with one person yeah. and when it's then in house with me i have one of my staff show up the first day to do the drywall repair and then the same guy or another one of my staff show up the next day to yeah. do the paint work and it's straightforward and there's no kind of coordinating with contractors on different people's timelines it's it's kind of all in house and makes it go a lot smoother so yeah it's better and it's it kind of puts people at ease i think a little bit too so they don't have so many random people coming through their houses yeah especially with like this whole situation that we had and with covid yeah right? where you want to know the people that are coming into your house absolutely them, right? yeah we want to limit the amount of yeah. different people that are showing up to the job site yeah. so i do as much as i can off of site and while i will have to be there originally to do a quote for you and then throughout the process to drop off supplies and check in and make sure that everything's going as planned my intention is to set up a crew have them tackle the project and then come in and check check list yeah. it out and hit the punch list and then we're basically on to the next project so which is awesome yeah now <clears throat> for quotes how do those work do, or, do we get free quotes do you just yeah Nice. So there once was a day where estimates weren't free. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when that day was. I know. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But from what I hear is that, like, in the past, you might be able to say, hey, I'll come out and do this quote for you. It's going to cost you 25 bucks. But if you book the job, we'll take that 25 bucks off the cost of the job. So yeah. you're all cool. It's like they covers their time to go out and do it. But at this day and age, everything is free estimates whether it's residential project doesn't really matter even if you're selling your house even if you're selling your house <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. it i and wish we could charge for that <laughs> even if you just bought a house and you don't have possession there's still a way to get you an estimate and a quote for the project and so most quotes are based on a, a fixed price that would include the materials paint for the job yeah. as well as all the labor the time involved to complete all the painting now when there's different types of projects involved or a small, small job, there is another style of quote structure that isn't fixed price. It's much more based on the time and the materials, and it's going to be calculated on an hourly rate. Now, from what I hear around town is that the going rate for painters is anywhere from $20 an hour to $65 an hour. So, like, as far as who you hire on time material basis, it's very much a good deal or not a good deal more more so based on their capacity to paint versus their hourly wage. Yeah. Because like I was saying, if you hire someone for 20 bucks, they may kick the can for 16 hours and not paint <laughs> jack shiz in your house. Yeah. Whereas you could have charged a professional 60 bucks an hour. Yeah. He may charge you to do it and be done in four hours. Yeah. The I'll, pay, same I'll job. pay your house for 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. But it's going to take me like exactly 15 hours just to get the tape up. So <laughs> most residential clients would prefer a fixed price yeah. so that they know exactly how much money they're going to pay. And during that discussion of quote, there would be some expectation as to how long it would take. So the yeah. timeline discussion. But on time material basis, usually it's just for a small project where we could be 
quoting people a, a flat day rate charge, yeah. or we can do it on time material so they have the opportunity to pay a little bit less than what our day rate is. On average, how close are you to your quoted price with your like finished price? It certainly fluctuates depending on the project. Yeah. Um, that comes down to my ability to estimate and manage my production to which match. Which should be pretty good. Which but... should be good, yeah. but let me tell you, it's not the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. So yeah. um, on exterior projects, we'll typically run the timeline a little bit longer yeah. just because we're not quite as dialed in as what I would hope we are at in terms of our exterior production. Yeah. Now, we can easily repaint a full-scale house, but as soon as we get to something a little bit bigger scale, then it's it weans off the projected timelines yeah. and Things starts get, to... There's more variables. Yeah, right? a lot more variables. Yeah. And whether it's you getting rained out or there's an extra coat of primer that needs to go up onto a certain surface. And yeah. it's a lot of communication and they're big scale projects. And so if things start to run wrong at the beginning of the project, you know you're in for a long haul yeah. to get yourself clear and out by yeah. the end. So in terms of next year's plans, we're going to staff up a little bit more based on running exterior crews only. Yeah. as well as running interior crews only, which will help with kind of getting the production back up and running. Because those two things are essentially like completely different processes. Yeah. Just because you can paint a wall doesn't mean you can paint an entire house on the exterior. Yeah. You could be the money inside and be the great <laughs> interior painter, yeah. but you could just never go up a 24-foot ladder and paint some fascia. So like, yeah. hey, man, to each their own, I do find like guys my age – are are kind of the, my ideal exterior painters because they're gung-ho to go up 40-footer and sand some shit above their head for half hour in a row. Yeah. Whereas, like, I understand that's not meant for everybody. I can't do it, man. No, man. So, <laughs> like, I get it. We, yeah. we kind of, like, you yeah. got to plan your crews really well in order for everything to stay efficient. Yeah, yeah. and that's huge if you want to meet those quotes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So right. to go back to, like, whether we hit our quotes or not, what we find is that if we're not hitting quotes, it's usually the quality aspect of it hasn't quite got there yet. And then we personally spend the extra time to get it there. Yeah. And that's kind of the extra time. Because you can get it done cost. or get it done right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it might be passable at 80%, but we want to take it to 98%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Nobody and wants, like you're saying, we're new. We want to get our name out, and we would want to do it right, yeah, so that everyone knows that we do it right, yeah, as opposed to the well, other. Well, it seems way. to be working so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about um, insurance or warranties? So insurance is is infinitely valuable. Yeah. being in business, um, if you're a homeowner, there's one thing I can mention is that if you hire a contractor who's not WorkSafe BC insured and they do get injured on your property, then instead of being covered by WorkSafe, they're not covered by anyone and may come back to sue you as the owner of the property yeah. due to an unfit workspace. Now, while there's a lot of gray areas to who needs WorkSafe BC and who doesn't need it, and this goes back to dealing with con uh, subcontractors and yeah. who's insured and who's not insured, as a company, Quick Fix Painters has general liability insurance for working in any residential scenario yeah. and we also have commercial general liability insurance which is on the commercial side of things yeah. and so those two items are business-wide and cover you for everything except for what WorkSafe BC covers a company for which is if one of your staff or myself were to get injured on a job site is it WorkSafe covering us as far as insurance goes, or are we going after the homeowner yeah. to get compensation for being injured? And so WorkSafe insurance is absolutely the most important thing that I can think of to get. If you were to start up a, a home service company or anything of that sort, um, it's not particularly expensive until you get a bunch of employees and you pay a lot of <laughs> payroll, and then yeah. then your percentage is like, oh, snap, maybe yeah, that starts, is a lot more money than I thought up, yeah. it was. But in the beginning, it's not that bad. And so it's much better to be covered than to end up in a, oh, absolutely. a sticky situation. That would be one of the worst things to do is just to have all that liability put on your homeowners. Absolutely. So like and it's 
it's not a commonly asked question. While it's something that I bring up on every estimate and yeah. I tell customers that we have, it's not something that people think to ask when they're getting a quote. And hopefully it's something that crosses your mind once or twice before you actually hire them and accept the proposal that they send you. But it's not always something that's brought up. And so on uh, on the three web pages that I checked when I typed in um, what to ask a painter, it was one of the first questions. So oh, yeah. Right <laughs> like, on. Make sure uh, make sure they're insured. There and I was like, yeah, well, I don't know if you are. So <laughs> I, was like, I never asked. It's my buddy. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That's how the referrals work. And you know, he's a good guy. He'll, he'll take care. Yeah. Of it. yeah. I think I even got liability insurance before we even started our production. Oh, wow. I was ahead of the game on on the insurance end mm. just so that every, all my ducks were in a row. So yeah. Nothing, no hiccups at all. Yeah, nothing at all. It's, Which is good. Sure, you dish out a monthly insurance bill, but the at the end of, of the day, is, it's... Yeah, you yeah, can the put a price of mind. on the peace of mind. Yeah. What about warranties? Warranty is important, and there's an interesting <laughs> topic that we had discussed as well. Is like, for a warranty, I understand you want to give the longest warranty that you can so that it is as appealing to the customer as possible. Yeah. At the same time, I find there's a conflict of interest when you offer a warranty longer than you've been in business for. I think that's one of the funniest things. Like, <laughs> you see guys open up a shop and they've been in it like maybe six months. And they're yeah. like, 25 year warranty yeah. or something ridiculous. And yeah. It's like, absolutely. Man, you're not going to be, I'm not even going to see you in 2021 or 2022. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Who do I go after? It's crazy. Yeah. So I've seen the same thing. I've been outbid for people. We price the same quote, but they have a 10 year warranty and I have a one year warranty. Yeah. And they chose the person that's a 10-year warranty because of warranty difference. Yeah. And I understand it looks more appealing. But at the end of the day, with paint especially, we're bidding on paint projects. If paint is going to fail, it's most likely going to fail within the first year and be Absolutely. visibly noticeable so that you can address the problem and fix it. And then it will last much, much longer yeah. down the line. So... I guess on average, you could say that your interior paint job will last 20 plus years yeah. in terms of if it's a good quality paint and it's washable, then there shouldn't be any need to repaint unless you want to change the colors yeah. if it's done properly the first time. On exterior surfaces, it is a lot more based on to sun exposure and moisture issues and that kind of stuff. But still, you're looking at 10 years, 12 years plus. Yeah. If it's done professionally before you're looking to repaint due to the need of it because yeah. it's failing, right? And yeah, one of the things that I want to mention is if you're if you just got your paint done, your flaws or imperfections or anything that you're gonna need warranty work on, I think within sixty days yeah. should be popping up. I'd if, say if, six months, like to be yeah. a little bit more conservative. Yeah. But I agree that especially when it's due to inadequate prep work and yeah. you're painting onto a surface and your your coating doesn't stick to whatever it is yeah. that you put on it's gonna start to peel and flake off almost immediately yeah there's other types of of issues that can come arise and and be covered by warranty and some of those are bubbling issues where there was too much humidity and there's moisture trapped behind the paint coating yeah. and causing the paint to bubble and there's other kinds of issues like you're saying, like there's flashing that can occur, which is usually when during application, the paint isn't uh, all wet and then consistently drying at the same time. Uh, it's kind of one dry patch and then it was painted again with more wet paint and it dried yeah. differently. And so it it's called the sheen difference and it can wreck a finish of a paint job based on the application. And that again will show up almost immediately yeah so, so usually one year should so suffice as the warranty. while i see professional painting companies maybe on average do a two or three year warranty we started with one because as a new business i didn't want to offer anything erratically high yeah and i i know my way of kind of talking through a project and what we're going to include was a lot more important than the warranty that followed it yeah. because like we're saying if you do the project right the first time it's going to last you yeah 
much, much longer than the warranty that yeah. you would have to cover any issues. So. You're not out there cutting corners being like, yeah, this will last uh, 368 yeah. days. And so then that's the perfect. next day is like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, the house fell down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I know when we're working in real estate that there's obviously differences between buyers and sellers, right? Because the guys that buy a house, they're looking to get into it and stay there for a long time. And the sellers, well, they're just looking to get out, Yeah. right? So what is the different relationship that you have with those kinds of clients, like whereas they're homeowners either looking to settle down in a place or otherwise looking to get the hell out? Yeah, totally. So two different types of clients and you offer a service that is catered towards each kind of client. So if it's someone who is just selling their house, hoping to get it on the market, but they've been either told by their realtor that they want to paint or they've identified it themselves that, hey, we need to paint this place before it hits the market. Well, that is what I would consider to be a need-based painting purchase in the sense I need my house painted before I put it on the market. And there's certain key factors that are important to these types of clients and people selling their home. So the speed of service is almost always the top thing is how soon can you get this done because we need this thing on the market ASAP. Um, Quality doesn't seem to be the number one concern for these customers because again, they're leaving the property. And so this is where a conflict of interest can arise as a professional painting company. If we put our name on a project, we're not going to skip the prep work just because you want it done fast. Yeah. Right? You can do it right. We're going to do it right. And so while it may not be the absolute most appealing offer to someone who's then going to be out of the house a year later, at the same time, we can't sucker ourselves and just go by your ideal way of having the house painted at the cheapest price because it comes back to bite us in the ass pretty hard. Yeah. We'd much rather say, hey, like we can make this look like a home that someone wants to move into and that's going to stand the test of time. Uh, and you can incorporate this into your offer as a seller. This actually, I just have a good question now. Um, does your warranty transfer? It with does. The house? Yeah. Yeah. So that's so and you so yeah. I've had people sell their houses, ask us to paint and and quite quickly after putting it up on the market, it's it's bought by another party. And and we've never had a callback from that next party yeah. because we've done covered our, all of our bases the first time around. <laughs> yeah. But again, if if it's a one year warranty for the the product and the paint that was applied, it's not going to transfer uh, or it, it would transfer just because the ownership of the house has changed. It's not like it's not voiding the warranty. It's not voiding the yeah. warranty. So you still the the warranty isn't to the homeowner. It's no. pretty much well. It's to the homeowner. It's more so to the surface. But it transfers, of, yeah. of whatever yeah. it was that you painted. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's really good to know because I, that's something I wouldn't even have thought of. Yeah. When we're buying a house, they're like, "Oh, we just painted it," and it's like, "Well, it might be worth asking who painted yeah, it." Yeah, absolutely, it's worth asking who painted it. <laughs> yeah. And while most of the time you can tell whether it was professionally painted or not, yeah. There's still a lot of differences once you hire a painter because while there's professional painting companies, there's a lot of different businesses in the space. And so lots of handy handyman guys offer painting services. Yeah. Lots of commercial companies only do painting on large commercial and industrial projects. Yeah. And so we kind of find ourselves somewhere in the middle. Obviously, we're not a handyman crew. No. We're not a big commercial industrial painting company. And so we kind of put our reach out there and offer what we can and kind of do the best quality work for the services that we do offer. So you touched a little bit on it before about the additional services like the popcorn ceiling and drywall repair. Um, Are there any other things that you guys do that your average painter might not? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, Like... If it was myself personally doing every project and completing every scope of everything that I ever quoted on, then I would probably only offer interior and exterior (laughs) painting and small scale drywall repair. Now, that's kind of the core that we have as most of our staff can do all of those tasks. They can paint outside, they can paint inside, and they can do your your patch and, and sand. But... 
once you get into other types of trades that still go hand in hand with painting, you really got to either know what you're doing or don't touch it at all yeah. so that, of course, everything continues on favorably for you. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, I've been lucky enough to staff up with people who have experience with doing flooring, with doing moldings, basic carpentry work for exteriors and interior. Uh, we don't do anything as far as like framing goes or concrete or yeah. Or yeah, on you don't the want to exterior the of the house, yeah, we, we don't do, like, window installations or anything yeah. like that. But uh, as far as, like, when it's a house exterior, we'll try to offer as much as we can that yeah. goes alongside painting. And so pressure washing is key, number one, that's yeah. almost required to paint the full exterior of your house anyways. We can, we can spray paint. We can brush and roll paint. Uh, for the exterior, if you have gutters that really need cleaning while we're up on the roof masking stuff around really we can clean up your gutters at the same time yeah it's dead simple because we have ladders and yeah. <laughs> all ladders you're doing is scooping <laughs> shit out of the gutter so yeah, yeah exactly but it's not something that you would think of right and it's not necessarily something that we want to advertise and offer because i don't want <laughs> to have a specific quote for gutter cleaning yeah we're not so systemized at cleaning gutters that we're going to make a killing offering gutter cleaning yeah it's more so like hey i understand you're putting a big investment to your house yeah you're painting the full exterior while we're here is there anything else you'd like us to do and then we'll either say yes or no yeah yeah which is awesome because yeah. Yeah, like you're saying, you're already paying the labor to go up onto the, their ladders to do half of that job yeah. anyways. If you can just pay for the, that little bit of labor to get the cutters done while yeah. you're up there. Totally. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And most oftentimes when we're doing exterior work, we're taking downspouts off. We're putting them back up after the project. Yeah. And so there's already tampering with your your, your yeah. gutters and downspouts going on. Yeah. So it's, it's a prime time to kind of address any issues that, you may have at the, at the house too. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that was just mainly on the exterior yeah. end of things. On the interior, like I mentioned, I've got some staff that are capable of doing flooring, but the main kind of combination that we've found that works really well for us is to offer drywall repair. Yep. Um, we would much prefer that if it's in a repaint setting that uh, we tackle all of the drywall repair. If I understand as a homeowner, you might think, oh, if I patch this first for him, he's going to get a head start on the project. Yes, if you do it properly. No, if, you, <laughs> if we got to cut everything out and start all over again. Yeah. Yeah. It just wastes a little bit more time. Right. Yeah. So we've got our tricks of the trade as drywall is very close to paint yep. to speed up that process and get it done as efficiently as possible. And so. While we'll do drywall repair, we'll keep it to a, a kind of like case by case basis. Again, we don't go out and and specifically offer drywall services. No. Yeah. But you guys do drywall repair. You'll do. You'll make the ceiling smooth. You'll get rid of popcorn. Yeah. So yeah. that's a big one right now. And for any buyer or seller who's really kind of considering changing the aesthetic look of the the home, like yeah. popcorn ceiling is a little dated. There's different types of textures. While you can do a texture repair on something that's damaged, you can also scrape it down and make it a flat ceiling. Yeah. And while it's a little bit labor intensive and not necessarily my employee's favorite task to do, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a good market to be in. And there's not many people doing it. There's not many campus. people that do it. Yeah. And it's hard to do it good. Yeah. And there's some aspect of unknown for every popcorn ceiling removal job. So yeah. what I look for every time I bid one of those projects is has that ceiling been painted and sealed in? Or is it just bare texture from construction the very first time the house was built? Yeah. And so if it has been sealed, it takes two, three, four times longer to get all that popcorn texture off than if it was never sealed and it was just sprayed through a texture hopper in the first place. Then you can slide a knife along the ceiling and it'll just come falling down. If it's a case where it's been sealed up and painted up there, then you got your work cut out for yeah. you to get it down. So yeah. there's yeah. different aspects. So those, again, kind of goes back to 
quoting basis, it's not always in my best interest to quote those on a fixed price when yeah. there's so much unknown involved. Yeah. And so oftentimes we'll do popcorn resealing, popcorn sealing removal on a time and material basis if it has been sealed before. Okay. Because it's quite difficult to judge exactly how long it's going to take to get that popcorn ceiling flat. Well, you guys do flooring too in small spaces. Eh? In small spaces and stairwells has been okay. our key. Oh yeah. That's Most oftentimes awesome. when we do flooring, we are also doing drywall repair and painting. Yeah. And so everything and moldings at the same time. So okay. everything is going hand in hand. And again, it's mitigating the need for three four different types of contractors. Yeah. You can keep it all in house if you have the staff who are good at doing yeah. those things. So in in situations where homeowners have had floods and there's a lot of damage and a kind of 24-hour emergency service company has come in and kind of fixed the issue in terms of removing all the drywall. There's flood cuts up to about two feet high where drywall has been removed, insulation has been removed, and all the flooring has been removed and the moldings. Well, someone's got to come in to finish, refinish that work. And so sometimes it's covered by the insurance company and then the 24-hour service comes in and does it quickly. Otherwise, it's required for the homeowner to source contractors to do it. And again, it can be beneficial for them to hire us to tackle everything if it's within a scope of work that we're comfortable dealing with uh, versus kind of getting four different contractors to come through your place and fix it up. So we've only done basements and like maybe 900 square feet at the most as far as all included. Yeah. Once it's getting bigger than that, there is a good opportunity to subcontract out and get a flooring guy to just do the floors, get the moldings guy to get the moldings down. Because there's so much more of it and they're so specialized and they are faster at doing it. It's just a trade-off as to like, do you want their speed of service or do you want our speed of keeping everything in-house and just doing it? Right. Yeah. So it depends on the size of the job. It does. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are some things homeowners can do to help you guys out when you're coming to paint? Okay. So for interiors, I guess is mainly the thing. Exterior yeah. stuff, like just don't leave anything leaning leaning up against your house and yeah. close all your windows before you before we come. <laughs> if we're pressure washing, you got open windows. That's that's not a good yeah mix. On the interior side of things, we're a little bit more specific. Um, if we're painting a full house and you're occupying the space, it's very important that you're able to take out small items and mounted items on the walls, like photo frames. Um, Take all of those items down and let us know if you would like to put the pictures back up in the same place or not. If you'd like to completely redesign your room, then we can fill all the nail holes and all the hanging mount plates. But if you want to put stuff back up exactly where it is and you don't want the hassle of recentering your photo on the wall, then we can leave those nail holes and just reinsert the hardware afterwards. So that's one thing. Um, Big furniture items, we won't ask customers to move. We'll center those items in the room and then protect them with drop sheets or poly. Yeah. and then there's little things that you could do in preparation, but I've seen everything and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, but I've seen switch plates, w- which are kind of the light yeah. switch covers and the electrical socket covers that have been completely painted onto the wall and you can't get them off unless you, <laughs> you hammer like at chisel them, them away, yeah. chisel them out. Yeah. I've seen electrical sockets that have been completely filled with paint and painted over over and they don't work anymore because they're dried rock solid with paint inside. (laughs) You don't switch those out. Oh, yeah, I know, right? It's like, what? I thought it was white on white, man. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, if you're really up for it, you can do a lap around and remove electrical switch plates so that you can paint around that space and then quickly reinstall them afterwards but that's usually a service that we include in our interior painting as it's a much better finish than trying to brush in around those and it takes three seconds to pop them out pop them back in at the end so 
it's little details. The de- devil's in the details, but in a painting business, the money's in the details. <laughs> yeah, so no doubt. Whether you love it or you hate it, I mean, that's one of the main reasons we get hired for projects because yeah. people don't want to spend the time on the details of painting. What so, are, what can DIY painters do to not ruin their home paint jobs? Because some people are going to be listening to this, being like, "I don't yeah, need a painter." Absolutely. And, so. Interior painting is where most DIY is done yeah. versus exterior painting. Yeah. Like you might paint your front door, but you're, you're probably not, not going to paint house. your house no. on the exterior. On the interior, absolutely. You've definitely got the option to chip away at it room by room. Now, there's a process that we use as professional painters to get everything done as quickly as possible. Uh, if you're painting everything in a room in terms of all the surfaces, you're doing the ceilings, the walls, and the trim work. The most efficient way to paint it is to paint the ceiling first so that it doesn't splatter on top of everything that's finished. Then we prefer to paint the trim next so that we can hit the wall slightly as painting part of the trim process as it's going to be covered by wall paint afterwards. Once the trim's completed, you've got the option to cut it in by hand or to use a good grade tape. Shout out frog tape. That stuff works (laughs) like the dream. If you use tape, you can tape a sharp line on your trim work and make it look like a professionally finished paint job. The only level of skill required is cutting in ceilings. And whether or not you can do that comes down to your ability to paint. (laughs) That's on you. The best thing that I can suggest is that if it's a flat ceiling, then you may have the option to tape it. I still would cut it in freehand, but there's when you look into a space and you know that it hasn't been completed as well as it could be, typically you'll see a wavy cut line. And so what that is, is there's wall paint that has... You can see it on the ceiling. It's still on the wall, and then it's crept up onto the ceiling, and then it's wavy because it's going back down to the wall and back up onto the ceiling, back down to the wall and back up onto the ceiling. Now... If you're painting your own home, then you will most likely want to push that paint all up onto the ceiling because it is extremely difficult to cut a straight line without tagging the ceiling at all. Yeah. And this is the case. Once you tag it once, just go for it, man. Do the whole ceiling Yeah. in the sense where it's still sharp. And when you take a step back, it looks like it's cut in straight. Yeah. But if you were to stand directly at the wall and look up, you would see that little bit of paint up on the ceiling. It still looks professionally finished to a degree, right? Because yeah, standing back, standing not, back, you can't tell, and it looks like it's done between the wall and the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. but if there's is a lot of variation between that's super true, all actually. the wall paint being on the wall only versus it being slightly up on the ceiling in a couple spots, it's gonna stand out like a sore thumb that you hit the ceiling that's in those a two dead spots. Giveaway when we but, walk through houses. Oh yeah. And, and see, like, oh, that's a DIY job. Like yeah. they, they botched it, and you're like, you can yeah. see it right there. Yeah. And when we work in a new construction setting or a renovation where it's a clean slate, then we've got our work cut out for us to yeah. keep that cut line off the ceiling as straight as it can be just on the wall. Yeah. In most repaint situations, we're going up and we're pushing it just onto the very, very edge of the ceiling, either to cover the old colors yeah. that yeah, DIYers exactly. have pushed up onto the ceiling or just to make the cut line look nice and sharp without keeping it down yeah. and a little bit of ceiling paint kind of exposed still. So That's good tips. It's a little tricky to understand until you get jump until, right until into you it. it up and you're like, uh, then you're yeah, then you're that? in yeah. it and you're like, "Oh, I yeah. should have listened to what Kenton said." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after they botch it, then yeah. the next tip would be to call you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once um, you get onto cutting your ceilings, yeah, maybe yeah. do that first so you know whether you need me or not. Yeah, do one wall and then, uh, then we'll get you a quote. <laughs> oh, speaking of kind of painting rooms yourself too, doing one wall at a time is a good way to avoid flashing yeah. of the paint and making sure that it all dries nice. Um, especially if you use an eggshell sheen or anything higher as far as paint goes, um, you typically use those paints so that they're washable, but they're also shinier on the wall space. So it's a little yeah. difficult to paint it in and make it look nice. You'll save yourself a lot of rushed movements if you'd simply paint one wall at a time and you can cut in the wall and then roll it and then move on to the next wall. Yeah. When we're painting big homes professionally, we'll cut in almost the whole house first coat, but 
we cut it in with a brush and then we use that four inch mini roller to oh, yeah. paint it again and get rid of the brush strokes up till about an inch away from the ceiling. Yeah. So what there's no picture framing effect going on. Um in a in a situation where you're doing it yourself, <laughs> much better to paint a wall at a time and go from there. Awesome. Well, I think we're uh good on paint talk today. Yeah. So we're gonna wrap her up here. Kitten, you got any outgoing remarks that you want people to know? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you tell me a little yeah. bit about yourself before yeah. we before we <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean I'm a first first <laughs> What's generation. Your profile yeah, sound like? Sure. Let's <laughs> <laughs> fire it off on that. So what's no. your Tinder profile sound like? It's been deleted for many years. Mm. Um I'm a first generation business owner, so yeah. there's a lot of learning curve involved. But yeah. uh I feel like there's a lot of people around my age, early 20s, where your mindset's to hustle hard now so that you can live a better quality of life a little later in, in your years. And yeah. I'm kind of on pace with, with that. And there's a lot of different mentors and motivators out there yeah. that we have access to now that yeah. a lot of people our age kind of back then didn't. So we're lucky to have all those resources. And then it's ultimately up to you to make decisions for yourself as to what you want to pursue yeah when whenever you're starting something like a business it's it's never a quick one one time thing that's gonna yeah it'll get you there it's much more so a lot of baby steps and a lot of compounding getting the wheels rolling and fixing things at the beginning so that hopefully one day you're big enough that when bumps come up in the road you're not getting stopped you're just hitting the bump and going over it keep on rolling (laughs) keep on rolling that's the way it is we're gonna keep on rolling right on out of here (laughs) right on (laughs) all right i'm gonna get back to rolling (laughs) awesome awesome all right until next week guys thanks for tuning in right on adios adios Thanks for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, show me some love on social media. If you know of anyone that we should feature here on the podcast, hit me up. Or if you know anybody that's looking to buy or sell real estate, drop my name. Adios.